This is State of Sports, Utah, with your hosts, Jake Lukler and Jason Stowell. Hey, hey, welcome everybody back to the State of Sports, Utah podcast. My name is Jake, and of course I am not alone. I am with my co-host, Jason. It's me. Hey, everyone. That it is. We've been gone for the last half of the 2021 football season, but since the season's over, we wanted to come back, let you know that next season we will be back, and we will be back a lot more consistently. Unfortunately, the second half of this season, we were just filled with a few different unforeseen uh, issues and personal conflicts, but we're not going anywhere. We are still going to be around. We're going to be uh, doing a couple shows here in the uh, the preseason, and course we have here our postseason show yep it's uh it's almost like having a baby makes life just way more busy it's it's interesting how that happens yeah that it does uh of course he's the one with the baby i have you know fur babies but none other none other kind anyways jason why don't we talk about the 2021 football season since uh all college football has unfortunately come to an end and a long wait has officially begun. Hey, well, but... long wait for you. I I still have basketball. I have something very exciting. I I'm still in the thick of thick of sports. BYU's basketball's doing great and loving every second of it. But I can't say the same for one and nine in conference Utah. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that see, there's a great reason why I don't follow uh, college basketball <laughs> and but... never have. <laughs> and, yep, and and never have. Except that for Mar- Ma- March Madness, which. Everybody watches, even if you don't have a team, right? No, that's that's very that's very true. Everyone fills out that bracket. Well, to recap the 2021 season, I thought we'd talk about our kind of our highlights of what we liked about the year. Um, Jake may have broken his down a little differently, but I I have kind of three different tiers of sections. So, like my personal. Like the most exciting part of the 21 season was uh, the week of the Utah game because, or the weekend of the Utah game, because you have the Big 12 announcement, um, and then of course you go and beat uh, the University of Utah on your home floor, or home floor. I'm in. I'm already in basketball mode. (laughs) Uh, On your home field. Breaking the streak. I mean, that that weekend was one of the highest I've ever felt as a BYU fan. Um, personally, I mean, I wasn't around for 1984, and I was two when they were, uh, you know, in the Cotton Bowl in 96. And so, uh, for me, that was really, that was one of the, uh, like, most excited I've ever felt as a BYU fan. It was like, it was so, it was so fun. Great weekend. Um, great implications for the future of BYU. Moving to my next bullet point, and it's the highlight of the season, like play highlight. Um, and and it, there were a few that you could kind of look at or pick from, but absolutely the, to me, it's hands down, no question, the play of the year was Tyler Algiers' uh, punch fumble thing that he did, like, uh, somebody made an edit with with him with uh, Mjolnir with Thor's hammer, just like coming in and boom, punching the punching the football out after the interception. 
I mean, completely changed the course of the the game. Almost, I mean, it really did seal BYU's win because after it, it, that whole drive, including the you know the plays before the fumble and then kind of the reset after the fumble, it took like ten minutes maybe off of the clock. It it really burned a lot of time, and Arizona State just did not have enough time to get anything done and BYU just kind of controlled the line of scrimmage and won the game so that individual play was one of the most amazing plays I think personally I've ever seen live I was at the ASU game and I just the emotion of like no an interception crap like we're gonna lose you know and he's running down the field and then um for him to punch it out and just complete flip like we were all just like freaking out so excited it was it was crazy so that play was awesome and then I uh, kind of a personal like a personal highlight for me from the season um, was uniforms this season it was just it was so nice as a fan of uniforms uh, to see everything that Billy Nixon and BYU equipment have done um, this this season, every single game in the regular season, they wore a different uniform combination, which they've never done before in the history of the program. They've never had that. So the Royal and Navy helmets were really big um, inclusions into the the kind of arsenal of uniforms that BYU has, um, and it just made for a fun season. Uh, 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 every game, having something new to look forward to as far as uniform goes, was kind of fun. And they did repeat a combination in their bowl game. Um, but uh, every regular season game was a new combo. And they still, I think they have maybe six combos um, that they did not wear in. The, it's more than that. It is more than that. I mean, it's it's like, it's like, it's 16 actually. Sorry, I'm duplicating face masks. They had 16 combos that they didn't even wear this season that they could still wear in the future um so it's it's a lot of fun the uniforms i'm a big fan so it was exciting very into fashion yes i'm very fashionable in my utah basketball shirt and sweatpants today Yeah, well my highlights for this season really kind of came more down to the memorable you know, actual game elements. Maybe not necessarily any particular plays, although there were certainly there's certainly a few I could list. But really, just outcomes and just memorable achievements that that occurred. Uh, the first of which was what I believe to be the turning point of Utah's entire season, which was the win in the Coliseum against USC. And yes, USC was really a train wreck, but that was really the point that. I started to really believe that Utah could still accomplish everything that they wanted to. That that winning the Pac-12 South was still very much a possibility. Just not not only because you know Utah came and won for the first time in over a hundred years in the Coliseum, but we domi- Utah dominated that entire game, and they and they ended up with a very great uh, leading final score. Uh, And then the next one was the following week, which was a huge home game uh, against ASU. And what makes that one so memorable, really, was not necessarily the the outcome, but was the comeback. Because Utah was getting absolutely destroyed 
in the first half of the game, but then pitched in a complete shutout in the second half, which was just which just made it one of the most fun games I think I've actually been present in in a very long time. It was so much fun to see them come alive and just really kind of shut down ASU in the entire second half and to come out with a pretty good win. Uh, of course, next one is what I think will go down as most people's favorite home game of all time, which was uh, <laughs> the win against Oregon, which was ranked number three at the time. Huge playoff contender uh, at the time. And we just completely demolish them and dominate them at home, uh, <laughs> 38-7. to Which uh, was, again, probably going to go down as most people's favorite game. Favorite game to watch of all time. It's just fantastic. Covey's, you know, return right, return for for to the house right before halftime is probably the the highlighted play of the year. If I had to say something, then of course, as my apparel suggests, Utah then went and destroyed him again in the Pac-12 championship, which was probably the most satisfying uh, game. Just because I was I was pretty nervous that uh, Oregon would be back with a vengeance. Uh, I don't know where they dropped their vengeance, but it was certainly not in Vegas. Um, Dude, Mar- Mario Cristobal was checked out. I think a hundred percent. Like by the end, by the end of the season, when they lost that game to Utah, I think it was just like he knew, like yeah, he was out of there. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and he had to flee to the ACC in order to not have to face Utah again. <laughs> <laughs> and he had to embrace a different you, but, <laughs> uh, but. Uh, then of course, of course, the final highlight was the, just the Rose Bowl itself. Yeah, we lost, and that was, you know, it was a heartbreaking loss. But frankly, it was a fantastic game. I, I've actually watched it a couple times since uh, it happened, uh, and honestly, it's just so much fun to watch. It, I mean, honestly, this season ended up being one of the most satisfying and fun seasons that I can remember in a long time. And it was just, it was a blast. It makes, it made me just. You know, fall in love with football all over again. Not that I was ever out of love with it, but it just—it's one of those seasons where you're reminded why you love football so much, and that—and yeah, so that those are definitely the, what I think the highlights were for Utah. Well, and especially coming off of a you know a pandemic season and shortened year and just all sorts of weirdness. Like I think for yeah, both exactly. both BYU and Utah, because BYU had questions you knew too about the legitimacy of their 2020 season, you know, how good was it actually? And then they, they come and play seven power fives and um, go undefeated versus the pac 12 and really, really proved that, you know, they're headed in a, in a great direction. So awesome seasons for, for both teams. And I think, I think a little bit of, positivity I guess looking forward for both BYU and Utah right for Utah you've already kind of established what the like I mean what the mold is for success right you yeah worked through you know several seasons of getting in your recruits and and <laughs> struggling to play against power 5 football you started to win you win the South, or you almost win the South, right? You tie for the South technically, but USC gets yeah. the nod. Yeah. And then you win the South, you win the championship game, and you go to the Rose Bowl and you lose. But 
the cookie cutter for winning in the Rose Bowl is already there because you've done that with, I think, the, the Pac-12 South, with the championship of the Pac-12. Like, that mold is already there. So Utah Utah's, um, you know, in, in a good position to um, get a win in the Rose Bowl. And I think that success that Utah has had over the past 10 years is a stepping stone similar for, for BYU, right? You, you take that same, those same steps as you join the Big 12. You get in your recruits, you build that depth, which is something that I think BYU is really missing um, this season. Like, we talk about differences of seasons between BYU and Utah. Man, what a difference the front half of BYU season was versus the last half of Utah seasons. They were very yeah. different, and I think personally, I, I mean, I know that is due to depth. BYU had no, lost so many guys on defense, and they finished the bowl game with like six walk-ons playing defense and, and like starting on defense and didn't have their quarterback. You know, it's it's all these things that compile that just getting that power five um reputation helps build build your depth for your program so that you can have long-term sustained success of over the course of your season and you don't drop a bowl game to UAB which sucked frankly it really did but I just I, I think that by that point BYU was pretty checked out from their season because of the <laughs> the number of injuries that they they had sustained so say just one thing i want to mention is just really there's not there's nothing to hang your head about a 10 and 2 regular season there really isn't in fact uh, i actually looked the statistics up right before we started and uh and utah state is actually included in this this is the first time that uh utah utah state and byu have all ended the season with at least 10 wins and have all been ranked in the top 25. It has never happened before. And, I mean, hey, all three of our, you know, FBS schools had 10 wins and two conference championships and ended in the top 25. That's never happened before. But, hey, it, this was a great year for Utah college football on all aspects. And, and hey, just a shout-out kudos to Utah State. They did great. And that, we don't really cover them because neither of us are really interested in Utah State football because everyone who doesn't live in Logan and its surrounding suburbs really doesn't care about Utah State football. But, you know, hey, kudos to them. They looked great on, on, a, on a very national stage in a great bowl game. Yeah, well, and overcoming the hurdles of Boise State yeah. and San Diego State in the Mountain exactly. West is tough. It was, so. it was an, they had a great season, too. And just all three teams had, looked great. We, you know, it projected a lot of strength, and I think it'll influence uh, the state of Utah and our ability to recruit uh, and bring players all over the country into the state of Utah for years to come. Because I mean, and and importantly too, keeping keeping guys from the state of Utah in the exactly. state because that's been a big problem in in recruiting is guys guys leaving and going elsewhere. Exactly. So. I mean, I think. Lots of good for the state. Exactly, exactly. So moving on to our next section, which is conference news. Um, as far as the Big 12 goes, I, the main thing that is 
really the only thing that is newsworthy uh, is the uh, talk in the last couple weeks that uh, they're going to be figuring out divisions for the new Big 12 soon. Um, it's looking like Texas and Oklahoma are not going anywhere um, early. At least that's that's kind of the general consensus now is that they're not going to be able to afford to buy uh, to pay the buyout uh, to get into the SEC early. So you're going to have several seasons with 14 teams. So the conversation um, is centered around splitting Texas and Oklahoma into one division and the other so that when they leave, you just take them out of the divisions and you don't have to restack, reshuffle the, the deck. You're already set up to just move on into the, you know, the future of the Big 12. So, Jason, a uh, question for you then. Yes. Uh, obviously, you as a fan. I have a, a feeling fan, I know what you're going to ask. Obviously, there are a lot of projections, <laughs> and a lot of people say it's going to go this way. A lot of people say the, the alignment's going to go that way. What is you as as a fan? What's your preferred outcome? What what? How would you structure the divisions if you were in the room and got to draw the lines? So, it's super simple to me. It's 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 an easy decision because when I look at it, there's a there's a couple factors that push me into believing that it's it should go at one direction. The first being, I think you have to split up. The Texas schools. Everyone in the conference, Texas is a massive recruiting hotbed, right? Everyone in the conference deserves, when when the conference is centered in Texas, everyone in the conference deserves an opportunity to go play in Texas, to bring recruits to the game, to uh, be able to send uh, to do some recruiting visits, you know, when you're in Texas, things like that. That just, it, it makes a lot of sense to split them up um, so that everyone in the conference has that opportunity to play at least once in Texas. Uh, so that one is a big one for me. And then the second one is geography. I've seen a lot of fans kind of brushing over the idea of geography, like, ah, oh, we, whatever, we can just fly um, wherever and while I agree to some extent, I do think that you still have to consider uh, your other sports when you're planning for these things, right? With with divisions, um, I think it just makes more sense in my brain that you take the closest schools and you put them in divisions that are next to each other. Like you do not want BYU trying to go fly to UCF or West Virginia on a yearly basis, um, you know, or for, for these other sports, that's just not feasible. Um, so considering those two things, my split is East-West. The North-South division thing sounds just it legitimately terrible to me. Um, and so when you look at the, when you look at the map, the most sense that it makes for me for divisions are splitting it. So you have in the uh, West division, you have BYU, Texas Tech, TCU, Oklahoma State, Kansas, Kansas State. And then in the East division, you have Baylor, Houston, 
Iowa State, Cincinnati, West Virginia, UCF. And then, of course, Texas and Oklahoma going to one of each, respectively. Yes, for the first and, and ultimately, they don't matter geography-wise. You can do that, but, but ultimately, you're just trying to throw them in, in one in each division, and then, you know, get them out of the conference and not have to restructure. So, I don't know. That way, to me, right, you're splitting up the four Texas schools, um, and geography-wise, that the way that I just split it makes the most sense to me anyway. Um, I like that conference for BYU. I think it's reasonably tough because you have, Oklahoma I mean, State. Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, TCU are tough. Those yep. are tough opponents, you know. Um, but you've got Kansas, which is almost a guaranteed win every season, and Kansas State is not, you know, they're hit or miss. Um, so it's Power 5 football. It's all going to be tough, but I do personally like for BYU's chances. I like that divisional split up, but that is my opinion on how they should and split. We might very well do a podcast uh, soon after the official reveal of the uh, Big 12 conference structuring. Uh, more on that in the future. Uh, but next up is obviously the Pac-12 conference news, and really the biggest news is all the coaching carousel and all the all the new how the Pac-12 is will look differently this next year and i guess the two biggest ones are who's coaching usc and who's coaching oregon and as a utah fan i'll admit the one that i mean oregon i don't know dan lenning yes you could say his defense did just win a national championship but i don't know i'm a lot less worried about oregon first time head coach yeah first time head coach a lot of questions Yeah, a lot of, a lot of questions there heck a lot of transfers are transferring out of oregon they're getting out and that must be for a reason uh, so what the aspect of it all that really scares me as a as a member of the South Division is that of Lincoln Riley. They, whereas Oregon is losing every everyone in the transfer portal, USC is gaining everyone in the transfer portal. Obviously, they didn't have a lot of 2022 recruits, but they they have killed it in the transfer portal. I believe they're in the top five for uh, gains in from the transfer portal this year. And so, obviously, that's pretty concerning. But what's really nice is uh, the mold for Utah has been set. Uh, our offense and all, a great number of our star players are coming back, as we'll discuss a bit later. And really, the key that I think is the majority of our coaching staff has, has stayed put. We've had one coach uh, leave for another school, and we've had one retire. All of which were uh, in the assistant coaching staff, but all the uh, head coaches and depart, you know, and offense coordinators—they're all staying. They're all continuing on, which I think is the key for Utah going forward. And, and it's just—it's great to have that stability. So moving on from uh, conference news, let's go on to uh, what I actually have been looking forward to talking about the most is essentially who's leaving, whether that's it from the portal or to or to the league, who's staying, and who's coming in, uh, I, whether that be from the transfer portal or just high school recruits. So obviously the, uh, the, three, the biggest players from Utah who are leaving 
uh, are all actually going to the league, uh, which is obviously our starting linebackers, uh, Nephi Sewell and Devin Lloyd. They will be, they were huge weapons this last season and in the previous seasons, and it's just going to be really tough to have uh, a se- going forward without them. But hey, great for them. Next up is one of our starting running backs, uh, TJ Pledger. Uh, he's going to the league as well. He will be sorely missed. We only had him one year. Uh, and next, of course, was the uh, old man himself, uh, Britton Covey. Uh, he cho- just chose not to uh, continue on for his last year. Uh, I, what I think is probably going to be would be his seventh year in college <laughs> sports. So he's leaving for the league, and good for him. Uh, he's one of those players where he's just kind of the face of the program, and so you're you're sad to see him go, even though you know it's time. And honestly, he had an incredible season, so he's probably not going to be uh, have a better chance than he will this year. And I think I think there's a role for him really in the in the NFL. I think he has absolutely the stuff for uh, for mimicking some of these similar style NFL players. Um, you know, slot receiver, returner. Absolutely, think he will one hundred percent have a shot in the league. One hundred. He's he's awesome. Jason, what about who's so who's leaving BYU this season? Not coming back. So, as far as as far as players leaving, there hasn't been. There's not going to be a lot of turn, turnover, and that's what's exciting. I think, like you've mentioned with Utah, both BYU and Utah are pretty young across the board. Um, it, 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 with with players, and so the biggest impact right off the bat, of course, is Tyler Algier. That's I, I, how do you replace a top three running back in college football? I mean, it's it's really difficult to <laughs> it's going to be really difficult to do that. Um, so a big loss for Tyler uh, for Tyler to leave for the team, but super excited for him. He's going to absolutely kill it in the NFL and what a cool story for him to <laughs> go from walk on linebacker to you know potential NFL running back very very cool story um wish him nothing but the best uh, in the NFL and then uh, the kind of so I will call it a surprise because the way that he did it was surprising um but I did call this I think on our podcast I said that I expected that Baylor was going to uh, transfer after this season. Um, but Baylor Romney is is either stepping away from football or transferring. And there's a lot of, there's been some discussion on what that's going to be, but I did think that that was interesting because I feel like he could start at a Power 5 school. Like, honestly, I really do think that there are a number of schools that this season like Oregon, for example, right? Oregon had good players and played really well across the board until they got to Utah, but they did not have a quarterback. Their quarterback play was horrible. Completely like agree. If, if Baylor Romney was on that Oregon team, I think they have way more success. Personally, I really do think that Baylor is a tremendous quarterback talent. Um, so his name is in the transfer portal, but his, like, his post announcing that he was leaving BYU was more of I'm deciding if I'm going to step like kind of step away from football. So that was surprising to me and interesting, but yeah, Baylor Romney will be moving on um which kind of leads us into our next uh, section um which is 
you know, what key players are coming um, either from recruiting or transfer or, in BYU's case, a mission <laughs> because we get these recruits and, yay, awesome, we'll see you in two years <laughs> or three years, you know, if they're a, a junior in high school. So um, as far as players coming in, in the quarterback position, there's a ton of smoke going around about Jackson Dart, the USC transfer. Well, that's um, not confirmed. So let, let's keep it to who's confirmed to come, be coming in. So, Jason, what are some other key pl- uh, players that will be coming in to, for the 2022 season? Who, who, who else do you got? So, the one of the biggest, uh, one of the biggest transfers, I think that helps with that. Um, that Tyler Algier hole um, is you have the Cal transfer running back, uh, Christopher Brooks. He will likely be the starting running back for BYU. Um, I think he had, I don't have the statistics in front of me, but a thousand yard rusher, um, multiple touchdowns. Um, he will, he will likely be the starting back because outside of Tyler Algier, uh, BYU is pretty young well, okay, this season, outside of Tyler Algier, they had Lopini Katoa, who is had announced that he is returning for his extra COVID year, which surprised me a little bit. Um, I don't think he's necessarily a massive impact player. I hope that he can get a little better with his ball security, but Tyler Algier kind of outshined him, so maybe this is an opportunity for him to come in and... Um, make a name for himself. I uh, try and make a name for himself. Um, so Christopher Brooks and and Lopini Katoa, the you know it'll be t- be between those um, at running back, um, and then of course you have the Oregon offensive lineman uh, Kingsley, five star recruit out of high school, uh, played a couple games for Oregon, and then. Um, announced that he was uh, going to be transferring and set out the rest of the season and uh, is transferring to BYU. So he, Kingsley, will be a, a big impact, just a, a massive, massive individual. He was at one of the basketball games, and I, <laughs> I walked by and I was like, oh, man, so this is <laughs> what a Division One <laughs> college football athlete is like because he is, he is a massive, massive human being. So he will be... Um, he'll be a big-time position player uh, for that already stacked offensive line. So lastly is Chase Roberts. Uh, he's back from his mission. He's a wide receiver. He'll be competing for starting reps almost immediately. He was a big-time recruit out of high school, and so it's super exciting and going to be fun to have him back. And um, Supposedly in their bowl prep for... Um, UAB, he had he had been back and with the team and practicing and um, was looking really impressive. So it'll be fun to see those guys make a make a big impact. Those newcomers. And and for Utah on Utah's side, uh, I have three players highlighted that actually end up uh, filling the the holes that my key players that are leaving left. Uh, one of which is Lander Barton, which was a huge get from an in-state guy, uh, younger brother to many a, a, a famous Utah. Uh, former athletes, uh, their younger brother. Supposedly, he's one of the, probably the best of them. So, 
Who really? <laughs> but who really knows? They always tend to say that about the younger siblings. Uh, aside from him, there's also uh, Ryan Peppins, who was uh, recently named Mr. Football for the state of Alabama this year. Uh, he's very much, I think, going to be filling the Britton Covey role in that, you know, he's a much smaller slot receiver, uh, punt return specialist. Uh, I mean, even Covey himself has name-dropped the guy and pretty much expects him to fill fill his role. And so I think a lot of expectations are going to be uh, on that guy, and I can't wait to, to see how he transitions into Utah. Uh, and finally, uh, and the player I'm most excited to be coming into the season is, of course, Jalen Glover, which is Utah's highest recruit for this season. Uh, he was named Mr. Football for the state of Florida this this year. Uh, huge get. He's a fast guy, and one and one of the things that I think is the most important about keeping him, because the thing that the transfer portal has kind of, the double edged sword that is created, I think, is not only getting these top graded players, but also keeping them. And I think uh, for a player like Jalen Glover, he's not going to want to sit on the bench, uh, which. Now, especially with the departure of T.J. Pledger, I think that there will easily be a spot for him. Utah's offense has consisted this year of three primary backs and a running back number two just left. And even with Mika Bernard and Tavian Thomas uh, still in, you know, filling up two of those slots, there's an, there's an open slot for him, and I have no doubt that we'll be seeing plenty of them, which I think will be enough for him to, uh, you know, stick it out through his college career, which I'm looking forward to. I've seen this guy's highlight reels, and I'm just so excited to see this guy uh, play for Utah for three, four years. I'm just very excited for that. Yeah, no, Utah has a lot of returning <laughs> returning talent, um, as does BYU. Yep. So why don't we talk about that returning talent? Why don't we talk about that returning talent? Who's coming back? Yes, so for, for BYU, uh, I highlighted three key guys. Um, we can talk about the offense, but I'm not worried about who BYU has coming back uh, on offense. I think BYU's issues this season did not stem from the offense, but they stemmed from the defense. And so my keys for BYU to have a successful st- season it's gonna rel- it's gonna come down to the defense and and so uh, Keenan Peely, Chaz Ayu, and Peyton Wilgar having those three guys available and healthy for you know the good majority of the season you never know with injuries but but getting those three guys to be able to play significant minutes is gonna have a huge impact on how BYU's year goes and how the defense plays and ultimately how how game results end because uh, <laughs> we were really thin towards the end of the season and so that's just it's a critical it's a critical position for for BYU to to have those guys do well. I think it's interesting how you focused primarily on BYU's defense because I'm actually going to be focusing on Utah's offense, mostly because our defense is frankly just so young. There weren't very many players that could have left. I mean, Nephi Sewell was one of them, but he's leaving, so uh, that's a, a moot point. But also because we're used, as Utah fans, we're used to our defense being very good and top-notch. However, having a dynamic offense that can actually score 
and score fast, score a lot of points, is very new. It is not something that happens that much. And so, and the key to that offense, I think, has actually been our insanely talented tight ends. And don't get me wrong, Utah did a great job of recruiting tight ends from the transfer portal and from high school, but the fact that... But who needs to when you've got three guys that could start anywhere? Exactly. But uh, the idea of replacing them was horrifying because all three of them looked like they were going to be going to the league, but two of our three, and frankly, my the two my two preferred out of the three, uh, Brant Keithy and Dalton Kincaid, are both coming back for their senior year. Easily could have left, could have you know got could have gone to the league easily, but both have decided that they want to come back and. That's huge for our offense because actually Kincaid was uh, sorry Keithy was our hot our highest receiver for the uh, for the, for the season which you know at a tight end usually is not but that's just how talented uh, Keithy was as a tight end and so um, very excited to have those two players uh, always come in clutch and it's the, it was the key for our offense uh, this last year and it's so excited to be able to continue that uh, strategy and that blueprint that we had on offense. And finally, which was kind of the big question mark, which was Tavian Thomas. He is a COVID sophomore, so technically he could have left. He was only, He's only had one season with Utah, but at, he was tied for number three in the, uh, in the nation for touchdowns. And so there, there was a big question mark of, is he going to leave? Because that's quite a note to end on. Uh, but he, he is coming back, so um, him along with Bernard and Glover, I think will, uh, again, key to our offense, is a powerful running game. And I think with those three players, specifically, t- uh, you know, Thomas the Tank Engine, is uh, he uh, he is a key player, and it's fantastic that he's coming back for at least another year. And so, everybody, that has been the end of our little show and our our post-season show. We'd like to thank you all for listening to this, and we hope that we will you will hear from us again here in the not-so-distant future. Uh, we intend on being a lot more consistent throughout the 2020 season, and you won't have to wait for it to start. We do plan on doing uh, perhaps a spring ball episode, uh, perhaps uh, recapping any major conference news uh, from, for, from both the Big 12 and the Pac-12. Um... It's just one thing I want to say about this last season is it's so great to have football back in the way that football was intended. I have had I've had a great season, and I frankly intend to have a, just as great of a season uh, next year. And of course, go Utes! And it's going to be a lot of fun to celebrate this last season of Independence. We play a pretty pretty tough schedule. It'll be sweet to go play Notre Dame in the Shamrock Classic in, in Las Vegas, the the Mormons versus the Catholics oh in Sin City. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. So great, great season to celebrate an end of independence and um, to, to be joining the table with the big dogs in the Power Five. It'll be super awesome. Look forward to covering one last season of of independence with with jake and um we will be we'll have a little bit better i think layout for uh for next season as far as 
the week by week coverage. I think we're going to shoot for an episode every two weeks. Um, and that'll just help with, uh, you know, with uh, uh, child raising load and school and things like that. Especially since this is very much a casual hobby for us both. You know, we're, we're not in this to make money or become famous. You we're know, the to- five of you that listen to us. Exactly. You're going you know, to take us places. Uh-huh, exactly. We do this <laughs> to have fun. We have fun. We have a blast. It's always a great time doing this. Um, it's also a great way to just digest what's happening throughout the season that I noticed. Uh, whenever we do these podcasts, it's just great to really look for certain things and analyze certain things and really kind of identify what's good, what's bad, and how improvements can be made. It's a great way to watch football. And uh, thank you, everybody. Remember to like and follow us on all of our publishing platforms. And uh, this has been Jake and Jason on the State of Sports Utah Football Podcast. And this is us signing out. We'll catch you on the next one. Woohoo! Thank you for listening to this State of Sports Utah production. SFX technical support provided by Samantha Knight.